This frequency is for open-minded thinkers, for observers who are hopelessly curious, for experiencers of the mysterious, and for those who are passionate about perceiving the unknown. I will be sharing with you all my own exceptional experiences and other extraordinary constructs that exist in our reality. Welcome to Access Elysium. What's up and welcome to all you beautiful souls out there. I am your host, Amber O'Dell, and this is Access Elysium Podcast. So I got a quick question for you guys. Have you ever dropped your spoon on the kitchen floor and as you watched it fall, it just vanished into thin air? No? Anyone? Well, if you have, you have experienced a glitch in the matrix. So coming up on the show today, we're going to dive into mind-bending examples of glitches in the matrix from the dimension that I like to call the internet, uh, a breakdown of the documentary A Glitch in the Matrix, and then special treat my own personal and bizarre experience with a glitch in my own matrix. So a little bit about myself. Um, it's been really difficult over the years to kind of describe myself to others. I've never been good at labeling myself because I feel I'm constantly expanding on my own reality. But the best way to put it is that I am an experiencer of the mysterious and the unknown. Um, I have been my entire life. What seems natural to me, especially as a kid, was a little more supernatural to others than I first realized. Uh, but I've always embraced it and encouraged the universe to send me experiences that defy the norms of what we call reality. Uh, it can be challenging to form those personal accounts into words, uh, but I can't wait to try and express all these exceptional moments to you all and encourage others to come forward with their own extraordinary experiences. So let's get to it. So what the fuck is a glitch in the matrix? Uh, yeah, it's pretty baffling, but it's pretty awesome. So first of all, a glitch in the matrix... Those stories are firsthand accounts of some small but puzzling occurrence that has no logical explanation as to why it happened, why it's there, why it left, makes no sense. Uh, but specifically, the name comes from the movie The Matrix. Uh, personal favorite. I love The Matrix. Counts my man. Uh, and this is where we draw a lot of attention from the fact that we are in a simulation. Um... So this can literally spawn off in so many different directions. I mean, we're talking glitch in the matrix is connected to the simulation theory, to deja vu, to doppelgangers, to so many things that I'm sure I had to like narrow it down to be like, all right, I'm going to pick one of my crazy experiences and we're going to niche it there because otherwise this could turn into hours and hours of fun. But so let's start off with real life glitches that, you know, they are happening more and more often, or maybe more people are realizing them because of the internet and the accessibility that we have to other people's experiences. Um, so they really do make us feel like we are more in the movie, The Matrix. So speaking of the movie, The Matrix, let's go on a little trip down the white rabbit hole. So what exactly is The Matrix in the movie? Well, it depicts a dystopian future in which humanity is unknowingly trapped inside a simulated reality, The Matrix which intelligent machines have created to distract humans while using their bodies as an energy source. Ew. 
Um, the, that is scary to think of in the first place. But what is the matrix in our reality? So the matrix universe centers around the philosophical concept that our reality may not be real. Now, the thing is, is that even if our bodies are being used as batteries for some kind of crazy AI uh, software program or sentient beings from far in the future as like a simulated reality, or we're not in a simulation and what we're doing right here right now is real, it doesn't matter. All of it is real. Every single possibility is real in my eyes. I mean, it says so right in the name. Reality says it's real. It's real in the reality of the space you have picked. That's your reality. All of it. All of it can be true. One of the big names that, you know, everybody throws out there when they talk about the simulation theory is Nick Bostrom. Uh, he's a Oxford philosopher that showed us this system of how to determine if we're in a simulation. And he says that at least one of these three possibilities is true. Number one, all human-like civilizations in the universe go extinct before they developed the technological capacity to create simulated realities. So number one, humans can't do it. I can't do it. All right, number two, if any civilizations do reach that phase of technological maturity, none of them will bother to run simulations. So number two, they don't do it. They don't, they don't do it. And then number three, Advanced civilizations would have the ability to create many, 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 like so many many simulations. And that means there are far more simulated worlds than non-simulated ones. So number three, they're doing it. We're doing it. Like those are your choices. We can't do it. They don't do it. Or we're doing it. My theory is if there is even a possibility for something, it's being done like somewhere in some universe, dimension, realm, simulation. Uh, these words are easily interchangeable to describe and understand your preferred perspective. So universe, dimension, realm, simulation, all kind of describing the same thing from just a different viewpoint. So let's choose the crazy train and go with what's behind door number three and choose many simulations. Now, how do we know what simulation we are in? Uh, are we in the base reality, which is the first reality that is real? Or are we in a simulation created by the base reality? They say that our chances of being in a simulation or the base reality is 50-50. I mean, I guess I'm not real sure how they came up with that because really you have one chance of being in the base reality and then all other chances are you're in a simulation. I mean, it's like one to everything else. So your chances are so slim, but that doesn't mean that your chance is zero. We could be in the base reality. I mean, how cool would that be? We're like number one. And if we live in a simulation, then the laws of physics are actually like the rules of the simulation, like the basic code that determines the dynamics of our universe. And then let's go a little deeper into the white rabbit hole. Can a simulation create a simulation? I say yes, and we already did it. I, the internet is a creation of another dimension where we can all exist and interact with each other. It's the perfect example of how many layers and levels this game could have. I have so many questions. Like, what kind of shit is this? Okay, do all of us have to be 
in the base reality if this is the first real world or can some of us be real and some of us are simulation like how do we know if someone is real or a sim i mean what if they're not just a sim but they're an npc like what the fuck i so now what what is an npc it's a character in a computer game um or in a simulation whose actions are like already determined like with a script or a set of rules so as opposed to like being a, a player controlled by a, a, a or a character controlled by a player these can range from like very simple little things or they can be like super substantial artificial intelligence i mean in the world of video games it's like a term for a character that is controlled by the computer not the player so I don't know. Now I'm okay. Story time. Now I vividly remember years ago when I was leaving a friend's apartment across uh, from town that there was this guy sitting on a park bench across the street from me as I was driving away. And I got this distinct feeling uh, that he was like empty on the inside. Yeah, I don't even know how to really explain it. It was just such a weird and random feeling that when I came to the stoplight ahead, I mean, I just couldn't help staring at this guy. He was like super normal, just jeans, gray sweatshirt. Yeah, nothing too impressive. Just leaning forward on his knees, uh, like staring at the ground. And he would look up for a second and like look around and then go right back to grazing at the ground, grazing, <laughs> gazing at the ground. And I remember... I remember saying out loud as I drove away, that guy has no soul. Like, could he have been an NPC? I mean, what is the difference between a simulated person and an NPC? Like, what they do, do they not have a soul attached to them? Is that what the difference is? Or did they used to have a soul attached to them? Or did it get taken away? Or did they lose it? Like, can you be a simulation and be stripped of your soul? Or is that just what happens when your players no longer logged into the game? Like, holy shit. Now, it, what if this is a game and your higher self is like the main player? And they can like, well, let's just say, oh, they, they pause the game because I got to go pee. And someone else can pick up the controller and be you for a while. Like what happens? What happens if your higher self, the one in the base reality is like done playing for good? Like, yeah, I'm done. I'm like, I'm tool for this game anymore or like their PlayStation breaks. And does that mean that every simulation after the base one like doesn't exist anymore like what happens if the base reality dies do we just sit in limbo or do we just disappear like can base reality be hacked to come save us all from our ultimate doom or is all of this just a dream that we're gonna wake up from tomorrow and completely forget about well, after pondering on all that kind of shit for a while, I decided that I should start looking for more evidence of the Matrix by searching for the glitches. So like time slips, time glitches, or time loss is a phenomenon that's been commonly reported where one person or a group of people have... Um, experience what they think is time travel but some lead more towards abductions i don't know so synchronicity is another phenomena that for many supports this holographic universe or simulation theory as well some people think deja vu is an indication that we live in a simulation while others feel that anything associated with paranormal is a glimpse of reality outside the matrix now, I had a super whoa kind of glitch happen to me uh, while I was in high school. So I set out to find some other really interesting examples on the internet. And here is what I found. 
One of my favorite stories from years ago, in like 2006, was a man from Sweden uh, came home to find water on his kitchen floor. And assuming it was a leak, he gathered up some tools and opened the kitchen sink cabinet and reached his arm in to feel for the piping. But something was like just off. He kept reaching further and further in to find the pipes and couldn't find a thing. He said, I had to crawl inside the cabinet. And as I did so, I discovered that it just kept continuing. So I kept on crawling further and further into the cabinet. And in the end of the tunnel, I saw a light. And when I got there, I realized I was in the future. He claimed that he traveled into the future to the year 2042. Uh, There he met his 72 year old self and they compared tattoos and shared personal information that only he would know. He also allegedly captured his footage of himself or himself with his cell phone. So he's got pictures. Uh, He said, I don't care if people think I'm a liar. I know I'm not. I met myself in the future and I was fine. That's all I know. Like, what? That is awesome. I mean, I love this kind of shit. And if you think about it, that guy is going to be able to relive that whole experience again when he turns 72. Okay, so the next stories come from thoughtcatalog.com, where they had people give them their uh, glitch in the matrix story that made them believe in the supernatural. So here's the first one. Uh, back in 1932, newspaper reporter J. Bernard Hutton and photographer J. Oh no, I can't say it. Joam Chip. See, he gonna be A. A. Ron Brandt. I can't say his name. <laughs> Joe Chimbrandt were sent to do a feature story on the Hamburg shipyard in Germany. After completing their assignment, just as they were about to leave the premises, they heard the sound of aircraft engines only to look up and see the full sky of fighter planes. Uh, The anti-aircraft batteries opened fire and bombs started going off. All of a sudden, this place had become a war zone. Things were exploding. Buildings were collapsing. There was death and chaos everywhere. Before rushing out to save their lives, Hutton even asked a security guard if there was something they could do to help out. But was asked to immediately leave the area instead. As the two drove into Hamburg, things changed. The sky cleared up. Everything was back to normal. There was no blood or violence. Buildings were fine. No one seemed to panic. It was as if nothing had even happened. So when Hutton and Brandt looked behind towards the shipyard, they couldn't spot anything wrong with it. No damage. No smoke came from the buildings. Completely in shock. The newspaper office obviously did not believe the two. Uh, Even the pictures that Brant had been taking during the attack showed everything to be normal. The shipyard looked as good as new, and their colleagues dismissed their claims by deciding that they must have stopped on their way for a drink, and it was a little alcohol making them say thanks. Uh, Bernard Hutton later moved to London before the Second World War began, and in 1943, what he read in a newspaper one morning almost made his heart stop. It was a story about a successful raid by a Roy Air Force squadron on the Hamburg shipyard. The resemblance was uncanny, and this was an exact representation of what he and Brant witnessed 11 years back. 
I mean, how do you come back from something like that? The same person that you were before. I mean, that's like serious trauma. I mean, I can only imagine that that guy thinks about that incident every single day of his life, like until forever. Okay, so the next story goes a little something like this. I took a news journalism class in college where one of the assignments was to write an obituary for one of my grandparents. Uh, the professor told us to write it in or write it on a deceased grandparent, but if all of your grandparents were still alive, we had to choose one. In my case, all my grandparents were alive. I procrastinated the assignment until the night before it was due because it seemed like a dumb assignment. So scramming for an easy grandparent to write about, I gave my mom a call and asked for some basic biographical information about my maternal grandfather who was still alive. As we were talking about my grandpa's career, my mom couldn't recall the name of one of the companies he worked at. Uh, she lectured me about waiting until the last minute to write the assignment because it was late, like 1030, uh, my grandpa's time. However, she said she was going to give him a call to see if he was still awake and he would be able to answer the question once my assignment was due or because my assignment was due the next morning. When my mom called my grandpa, my grandma answered the phone in a panic. My grandma frantically explained that the paramedics just arrived and were performing CPR on my grandpa because he had stopped breathing and passed out. My mom was able to stay on the phone with my grandma until they took my grandpa to the hospital where he was declared dead. In the time my mom and I had been talking on the phone about grandparents' obituary, he was dying out of the blue. Uh, he'd been otherwise healthy considering his age. And we ended up using the obituary I wrote for that writing assignment as his actual obituary. Still freaks me out when I think about the timing. Holy shit, man. Like, that's, that's intense. I mean, that guy's higher self was playing a, a real sick game of uh, timing that up with your grandfather's death. Poor guy. All right. So next story. Oh, this is the one, uh, the kitchen spoon story I was referring to earlier at the beginning of the episode. So this person said, when I was about 15, I was eating some cereal and accent, you like my accent that came in there. I was eating some cereal and accidentally dropped my spoon into the kitchen floor. I watched the spoon fall and as it hit the floor, it just vanished into thin air, like into the floor. I was shocked. I thought surely my eyes were playing tricks on me. It must have just bounced away and gone out of sight or something. I mean, I spent 30 minutes searching the kitchen for that spoon. I was honestly kind of freaked out. I tried to think of every possible place it could have gone and there weren't many places that it could have ended up. I never found it. Oh, this is such a cute and simple example of a glitch in the matrix. I love it. All right, next story. Okay, so this one starts like this. My girlfriend and I had been together about a year at the time. Never had big problems. We are both pretty relaxed people. Never had a big fight. Never had any trust issues. None of those shenanigans. So one day I was out in front of my apartment building smoking a cigarette. This was before we lived together. I had seen her the night before, had a nice dinner, gone out to a bar, then gone to my place, after which she took a taxi home. 
So as I'm standing out in front of the apartment building, she pulls up in a taxi. I wasn't expecting her and was pleasantly surprised to see her. I put out my cigarette, smiled and walked up saying something like, hey, what are you doing here in a very friendly way? She scours at me, slaps me square across the jaw, and obviously I am dumbfounded and at a loss for words. So I just kind of look at her like she never said anything, just barged past me and went straight into the building. I followed her up to the apartment, asking her what was happening like the whole way. She goes into my apartment, grabs her bag and some of her stuff she left there, throws a few things at me, breaking a glass or two and knocking down a bunch of stuff on the shelf. She calls me a pig, says she knows everything and that I've broken her heart. I'm trying to figure out what going on obviously and she stops on her way out when I touch her sleeve stares at me again and slaps me again she tells me something like I hope I never see you again and walks out I followed her to the street and she got in her cab and drove off the street was pretty empty this was maybe around 8 or 9 a.m and I watch her drive off at this point I am just at a loss for words, scared and sad. And then as I'm watching the cab drive away, someone hugs me around my waist from behind. I turn around and it's her in running clothes. She was wearing heels and a leather jacket before she got into the cab. And I went completely pale. She said hi in her usual happy-go-lucky tone and then noticed my look and said, what's wrong? I spun around, no taxi. It had literally driven away five seconds earlier. No way it could have turned in that time. And all the lights were red. I didn't say anything to her, just ran upstairs. Her bag was gone. Things were still broken. My door was still wide open. So then I told her, we were like both monumentally confused. There's no way I could have mixed her up with someone else. She's the only child and she's my girlfriend. We had security check the cameras and sure enough, me following a girl to my apartment. The angles weren't great and the film wasn't really great quality, but it was pretty pretty easy to see my face, but hers was always hard to make out and a hell of a lot like her, but never like a clear shot of her face. No way it was the same girl. It still creeps me out and we don't talk about it to this day. Oh man, I would be that girlfriend that would want to talk about it every day. I would be like, so today's theory is this, like, what? That's fucking badass. I mean, no, it's, it's kind of freaky, but it's badass. All right, so here's another story. So this person writes, when I was around 20 a few years ago, I kept having dreams about a woman with long black hair named Aurora. They were different dreams, but for some reason, her distinct face and name always ended up in them. I got to the point where I would wake up frustrated and confused, trying to Google her name or find out how I was connected to her. And after a few months, she stopped showing up and I dismissed it, thinking my brain was just being a scumbag. Uh, fast forward a few years later, Halloween 2009. In I'm in the car with a friend stopped at a gas station. I'm about to pull out and merge onto a highway when I get a phone call from a random number. So I stopped the car, but no one answered. 
there was a person behind me who grew impatient, honked at me, and then swerved in front of me instead of waiting for two seconds for me to move. Uh, the second they got on the highway, some silver Civic loses control of their car and crashes into that one, and that swerved right in front of me. I called the cops and waited at the gas station for them to come. Turns out the drivers of both cars died. It 100% would have been me if I hadn't gotten that phone call. I called it back a few hours later out of gratitude and curiosity, rang three times, and went to voicemail. Hi, you've reached Aurora. Please leave your name and number. Never had goosebumps like that in my life. Called it again the next day because I was confused about the whole situation. Some woman answers. We get to talking. I tell her my entire story, including the dreams I had. She tells me she doesn't know how I got her number and that she never called me as far as she remembers. Weird. Ask her if she has a Facebook to confirm if she is in fact the woman in my dreams. Check her Facebook. Holy fuck, it's her. If that's not a glitch in the matrix, then I'm batshit crazy. Oh, welcome to the club, my friend. Batshit crazy is a very useful tool in navigating this reality. <laughs> Never a dull moment in the land of the unknown, my friend. All right, so next story. This person writes, This happened to me in third grade, and it scared me so much, I started crying and had to go to the office to talk to the principal about it. I was in the hallway for misbehaving, and my neighbor Tad, a younger, a year younger than me, um, came walking out of the class to my right, passed in front of me, and headed down some stairs. We said hi to each other, and about 20 seconds later, he walked out of the same class, passed in front of me, and headed down the stairs. I just stared at him, confused and afraid, and he looked back like, why the F are you looking at me like that? I never realized how much it was like the Matrix deja vu until now. I mean, please tell me that the chances of this being not a simulation or not in another dimension or not like a part of any of those things that are not the one chance of being in the base reality, man, I don't know what is. All right, so here's the last story from the Thought Catalog. I've been reading the stories on the subreddit and have enjoyed them so much that I thought I would share my own weird story with you guys. It happened in early 2000 when I was working at a juvenile detention center in a small town in Oklahoma as a corrections officer. I was working nights at the time and went to work at 9 p.m. This one night when I arrived for my work, my supervisor looked confused and asked me what I was doing there. I said, I work tonight. And he said, but they said you called in a few hours ago saying that you were sick. I was a bit confused and said it must have been someone else that they got the message wrong. I don't know. After everyone else showed up for work that night, I was a bit more weirded out, but we carried on as usual and assigned everyone their places for the night. I went to work in the control room where I usually work. The control room is the center of the prison that has direct control over the cameras, doors, phones, and everything. After I relieved the guard on duty and settled in for the night, I looked at the message that they said I called in. 
It said that I had called at 6.50 and said that I had gotten sick while out cleaning up after the storm. There had been a storm the night before and it was a bit bad, but not anything that I had to go out and clean up. It was truly weird. The supervisor came into the control room about that time. He was also a friend of mine outside of work and we started talking about it and how odd it was. I decided to call my wife at home and tell her about it while he was still sitting there. I picked up the phone and I dialed. After two rings, a man picked up the phone and with a raspy voice said, hello. I did not know what to say for a few seconds. I looked at the phone to make sure I dialed the right number and I had. And after a few seconds, the person said, hello, again, in the same raspy voice. I said, hello, who is this? This is Taylor. Who is this? The other person said, my head started spinning because my name is Taylor also. I said I almost had a scream as like, where is Anne? He said, Anne's in bed. Who is this? I dropped the phone and told my supervisor to ring me out. I had to get home and I took off towards the door. I could hear Dave pick up the phone behind me and say hello. Followed soon after that with a what the fuck rather loudly. I ran to my car, drove home faster than was legal. My mind was racing the entire time. I busted through the door and my wife was sitting there watching TV and was shocked at me being home. I asked her who was there, and she said no one was there. After a rather long talk with my wife, I went to call the prison to tell them what was going on, but the phone was dead. I went back to work, and when I came in, Dave was acting really weird and asked, how the hell are you doing this? He said to me that when I left, he picked up the phone, and the person on the other end sounded just like me. He kind of freaked out and hung up the phone. A minute later, he said he could see my car leaving the parking lot. I had called back from home and asked what the fuck was going on. He said that I was a bit irate and said I was sick and I did not feel like playing these games and was telling him to stop pranking me and hung up. And after convincing him I had no idea what was going on, we went back to work. Later, I found out that the phone line for my area had been knocked down the night before the storm. And this is absolutely the strangest thing that has ever happened to me. Dang, dude, like I keep hearing about these people that get to talk and see their other selves. I wish I could run into another me. I mean, it's not like I would be like, who's this? I would know immediately that that was me and I'd be like, oh no, this is about to be awesome. Okay, so now let's talk about the documentary A Glitch in the Matrix, which it's an American documentary film directed by Rodney Asher. I'm just horrible at names. Asher. Asher. I'm sorry, Rodney. Um, But he also directed a few other documentaries that I loved. Uh, The Nightmare and Room 237, which I will definitely refer to in upcoming episodes when I talk about dreams and sleep paralysis. Because that shit is nutso. Uh, I remember seeing the previews for A Glitch in the Matrix online somewhere. I don't even know. And I was super pumped to watch it as soon as it came out. I mean, it was first released on Amazon Prime in like February 5th. 2021 and I'm sure that I rented it within 24 hours of it being out I mean I was ready with my notebook and my pen so I could take as many notes as possible because I'm a nerd and that's what I like to do I make lots and lots of crazy notes about all my thoughts all the time I don't know that's just what I like to do and it's working out great because now I want to have a podcast so 
the documentary was awesome. Um, it was like almost too awesome because other than the situation where that 19 year old psycho like killed his parents because he thought he was in the movie, the matrix, what a fuck. Uh, but everything else was compiled in the show that, I mean, it was just like, I was checking off boxes. Yep. 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 Like a list of my experiences or thoughts. So uh, I'll just break it down a little bit for you. So Philip K. Dick is a huge big hitter in this documentary, in the sci-fi world, in the movie industry, and in any interests of anyone excited about a unique mind or perspective. I mean, this dude has a wild mind, and it's awesome. Uh, some of his best-known work uh, would be Minority Report, Total Recall, Blade Runner, uh, A Scanner Darkly, the oh, and The Man in the High Tower. I mean, his visions and thoughts were almost like incomprehensible in the 70s because people didn't really have the tech or the tools to understand a simulation theory without something like tangible to relate it to like we do now with the internet and video games. Uh, so like other worlds only existed like in our minds or in our dreams or imagination or our art or books, things like that. Um, but in 1974, Philip had an experience of recovered memories of his own of an alternative reality that he was living in. Um, I think he'd just gotten out of surgery and he still had a little bit of whatever sedative they gave him, but it was a very real experience for him. He called it 2374, which I don't know. I'm assuming that's the date it happened, but he wrote thousands and thousands of pages and notes um, that were used to construct a book called the exec. <laughs> I'm the worst exegesis. Whew, that one's hard. Uh, and it went on to present uh, these theories, or he went on to present these theories at a sci-fi convention in France in like 1977 um, with his findings. Like this is kind of like his famous talk. I mean, I can hear his voice from this talk in like music that I listen to now. Uh, and it's so cool to relate it back to the actual videos. But some people probably thought that he was just rambling madman. Uh, but to me, when I watched the video, I mean, it was like hearing my favorite story read out loud. And I just, I wanted to hear more. Um, but moving more into like the documentary. So I started checking the boxes, like all this stuff that we've been talking about here was happening. Real people versus simulated people. Um, the observer effect, kind of like, you know, in video games, especially like Call of Duty or where whatever you're looking at is what is rendering in the simulation. Like nothing else really has to be happening unless you're looking at it so it can save like computing power. But um, CG and video games and how eventually they will be indistinguishable from reality. I mean, have you ever put a VR head thing on and played in a game? I mean, it's wild. Like as soon as the first time I played VR uh, in the art gallery from this collective that I loved in Kansas, man, I put that thing on and I was like, oh no, this seals the deal right here. We are definitely in a simulation. This just shows you how close we're getting to what we're doing right now. I mean, I wonder what it'll be like when we can surpass this simulation's abilities. Oh man, it's going to be awesome. Anyways, but, and then all the movies that were going on that were tied to, you know, the glitches in the Matrix, like Avatar, awesome oh my god when that first came out I knew that that was a game changer for one like first it was like one of the first ones that was 3d I'm pretty sure pretty sure that one was in 3d 
it just opened another door for all these other ideas to come through that were never really approached like that in the in the movie industry. Uh, the Truman Show, obviously, uh, and Dark City, all. Oh, this one was one of my favorites when I was younger. It's not like one of your big hitters, but it was for me. I recorded it on VHS on HBO one night. I think I still have it. And it, it just stuck with me. It was just like opening another layer of possibilities for our reality. Oh, and fun fact about Dark City, uh, a lot of the pieces from this set that they built and used, including the ones used for the rooftop chase, were sold to the production of The Matrix for the first 1999 movie uh, at the end of their shooting. Mm -hmm. It was like meant to be. Whoa. But uh, oh, and of course, OK, another one, Minecraft. Uh, my kids loved Minecraft and that is such a great way for children to relate to this idea too but this this documentary just had so much awesome stuff like it mentions the ancestor simulation which is it's kind of like it's proposed from Nick Bostrom too that guy he's awesome uh, the theory is that an advanced civilization might want to run like simulations for science so it can understand its own history to study the behavior of the types of the minds that lived in the past um, how would this all be possible I don't know according to experts on the matter the civilization would need a computer the size of like a large planet or like a large moon. Hmm, wonder what our moon is. I don't know, that's for another day. But then we get into waking from a dream. And this might be exactly what happens when we move from one simulation to the next. Like this major shift in reality that takes place when you wake from a dream experience is absolutely incredible and also just tossed away as an insignificant piece of your existence. Like poof, gone, doesn't matter. Get on with your day. What? Like we, you were just like in this crazy world flying. Oh, that's what I like to do flying around you know in your dreams and then you wake up and you're like in your bed and you're like no big deal I let's just move along uh still to this day people have very limited understanding of what is really going on with our dreams uh but one of my favorite scenes is where the lion man avatar like super cool these guys make little avatars so they can be like anonymous in the movie but uh, he had he was talking about a memory he had, I believe, with his uncle when he was a kid. But he asked him what his thoughts were if we lived in a simulation and none of this was real. And his uncle replied, well, then what would just stop me from running around and shooting everyone in the head? What would stop me from shooting you? And the beautiful lion man kid replied, is that what you want to do? I mean, for real, like, is this what comes to mind if your perspective on reality was to shift is to kill people like you, that's what you're going to do. You're going to run around and shoot people in the head. Like, why does it take? Here's my question, too. Why does it take a God with a consequence of going to hell to make one not commit acts of violence and harm instead of one's own character. I mean, I've never understood this way of thinking ever. It still baffles me. Like, sh you should know who you are on the inside because of you, not some outside influence. 
Then lastly, the documentary stated that our world might be an actual simulated small world because of a lack of processing power to render 7 billion consciousnesses. I mean, that's a lot of consciousnesses. But there might be 7 billion algorithms running for the people on Earth, but more likely like 200,000 AIs that are serving as the database of people you know in your earthly experiences. (laughs) What? So... A lot of the people that I know and everything could probably just be an AI server. Uh, This is what they show as evidence in the limit of processing power that the machine or the simulation has. Uh, So if there's only so much processing power for our simulation, then maybe it reuses the DNA structure in many of us for multiple players or algorithms. And that is where we get like the doppelganger. Uh, scenario. So anyone who doesn't know what a doppelganger is, they're like a mysterious exact double of a living person. Uh, I think it's a German word that literally translates to double walker. Um, It isn't someone who just resembles you, but it's an exact double right down to the way you walk, talk, act, and dress. And believe it or not, scientists say that statistically, every person has roughly six doppelgangers in the world. Uh, so that means that there's seven people with your face, including you, out there, which is weird. It's almost like when you go to like type your own name in somewhere and you realize that there's like fucking a hundred Amber Odells out there and you're like, what? No. Yes. It's weird. You know what else is weird? I got another story for you. <laughs> So I almost forgot about this. So went on a really super fun girls trip to Denver, Colorado uh, with my sister and my bestie. And we went, what what were we doing? I think it was like the downtown, taste of downtown Denver. And so we're just chilling. And I don't even think we'd taken any edibles yet, which was always fun to do when you're in Colorado. Uh, But so we're walking through, we're eating food, and we're in the middle of like uh, open field area where they have uh, a concert, a little mini concert going on and people can sit and eat and stuff. And I turn around and see not only the exact replica of a girl that both me and Nikki knew, but her, her son, her daughter, and her other daughter, all walking in a row, just walking right past us. And I, <laughs> like, there's Lee and her son and her daughter and her daughter. And what the hell is going on? Like, I turned to Nikki and they, there was a lot of people. So she didn't get to see them. But I was like, girl, I just saw Lee and all her children walk by. And she was like, you're kidding me. I was like, mm-mm, doppelgangers. All right, so now what you've all been waiting for. So here is my bizarre personal experience with the glitch in the Matrix. Okay, let's see. So set the scene, I am in high school, pretty sure I'm a senior. I'm hanging out with my bestie. Uh, We decided to go kick it at a friend's house um, in Lawrence, not too far from home for a fun night. So uh, just to kind of let everybody in on a little secret, I was a little pothead in high school. So when we get to this friend's house in his apartment, 
we're all smoking lots of pot and we're having a good old time and we're just chilling. And so we're sitting on this long couch and it's me and then to the left of me is my bestie and across from me is our friend in a chair in between us and a coffee table. And we're all just chilling, doing our own little thing, and we're kind of chatting it up, and we're all pretty high. But just so you all know that this did not happen because I was high. I've been high many a times in my life. I know the difference between being high and holy shit, something (laughs) is not right with reality. So, all right, so we're chilling on the couch. Uh, just having a conversation and then all of a sudden it's like everybody kind of stops talking and it gets really quiet and everybody kind of just freezes for a second and so I turn to look at my friend on the couch and she turns to look at me and we're just like locking eyes for a second and I'm thinking what the fuck is she looking at me so weird and so she slowly goes and reaches in between the couch cushion and pulls out this pen and she's staring at it in her hand and then she looks back at me and then all of a sudden out of nowhere she takes it and fucking stabs it straight into my thigh I mean this sucker goes in like a couple inches and it is like the most excruciating thing ever I mean I'm looking down and it's in my leg and I am screaming and I turn to look at her like what the fuck are you doing and she looks at me like what the fuck are you talking about and I look back down and my leg is fine and I'm like wait I I am thoroughly confused. I look at her. I look at him. I'm like, you just fucking stabbed me in the leg with a pen. And she was like, uh, no, I did not. <laughs> I was like, what? And so I reach into the cushions in between the couch and I pull out the fucking pen that she just stabbed me with. And I was like, I am losing my mind. I look at him and I'm like, dude, did you see that? He's like, no. I was like, I felt it. I mean, I was in pain. I was like, what is happening? Like, I I still don't really know what is happening. But that is my glitch in the Matrix story. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So here's a few things things that I think about when it comes to this like was this a glimpse of another dimensional experience but how long did this go on for I mean really it could have been longer I don't know when it really started when did I split I have no fucking idea all I know is that I realized when it ended that everything that just happened didn't really happen. What if my entire life led up to that point and then split right there? How, how do I know it wasn't just a few seconds? How do I know it was like days, years? How long did this experience go on before I realized that it was different? Ugh. I mean, first of all, what is happening like, really, what what is happening? <laughs> Why would I blip out of my reality to one that is exactly identical just to have my best friend stab me in the leg? She would never do that. Like, 
why would that happen in some alternative reality dimension simulation universe why like that's always my question why um I've thought about it for years like okay so did it slip into like a dimension where this was a possibility because I don't feel like that's a possibility or at least it's not here so I guess I you know I might not understand all the infinite possibilities of my best friend maybe wanting to stab me in the leg every once in a while I don't know but what if uh, and this has took a long time to come to the conclusion what if my higher self which is in control of this whole simulation and game because I chose to be here like this is my game. I'm playing all the things that I signed up for. What if my higher self was like, oh, this might be something that if I throw at her, she will recognize that something is off. Something's not right. Something isn't calculating. This isn't real. Maybe that was my slap in the face for my higher self to be like, wake up. You need to pay attention because shit's not what you think it is. So where do you go from there? So that's just, I decided that yes, this happened to me. This is a part of my life and I'm going to use this as an indicator that I need to pay attention. I need to keep my eyes open, all my eyes, my mind's eyes, the front eyes, whatever eyes I've got going and whatever simulations, maybe we can all work together to really figure out what is going on here. And guess what I came up with? Here's my answer. I don't know shit. <laughs> like I have no idea what's going on here, but I fucking love it. This is an awesome ride. I'm grateful for it. Every morning I wake up and I can't wait for all the other crazy shit that's going to keep happening to me. That's just what I've decided to do. So here is my call to all of you experiencers out there. If you have had some kind of extraordinary experience with a glitch in the matrix, I would love to hear about it. So just contact us at accesselysium at gmail.com and tell us all about it. I want to hear about all of your cool shit because I can't be the only one. I know that there are so many people out there and I just want to hear more about your firsthand experiences. I mean, that's the shit that I live for. So please contact me if you would like to have your story on the podcast. Well, I hope that you guys have enjoyed the time that we have spent here together. I feel like I've waited my whole life to be with you right here, right now, to tell you about these crazy experiences of mine and all these other awesome souls out in the world. And I can't wait to share more of my crazy with you on the next episode of Access Elysium.